It's not the will of God that we be weak and have no ability in our lives. We've got to learn to see poverty the way he sees it. He sees it as a burden. He sees it as a yoke. And he's given us the anointing to destroy it. Let me read some of these other translations to you from Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. We read New King James. It says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Some of these other translations are interesting. The Amplified Classic says the yoke shall be destroyed. You see this? Uh, keep going there. The yoke will be destroyed because of fatness. One translation said anointing. This one says fatness. I didn't think I'd get very many amens on that, but <laughs> fatness, which prevents it, talking about that yoke, prevents the yoke from going around your neck. He's talking about somebody with a really fat neck. And look, listen, it gets worse. The uh, International Standard Version. Do we have that one, guys? I don't know that we do. It actually says it like this. The yoke will be destroyed because you've become obese. A lot of nervous laughter through the crowd. I know. I, this is what it says. But one translation after another talk about fatness because of the fat, because your neck is so fat. What is a yoke? You know what a yoke is. I mean, you got to think back to, to ancient history when, when they would put these wooden devices around the neck of a, of a slave or a captured prisoner. And this is what they would use to drive that person. And they would connect yoke to yoke to yoke to yoke. And they would have a line of slaves that could all be controlled by one person in the back just by steering that one. And the yokes that connected them around their neck that held on tight to their neck, it steered all of them. And it was, it was a, a device to, to restrict freedom. It was a device that, that enslaved a person to the will of another person. And what he's saying here is that thing that's been enslaving you that yoke that's been tight around your neck will be destroyed. How? Why? Because your neck got so fat that it just broke apart that yoke. It paints quite a picture, doesn't it? But I'm going to tell you something. This is why Satan hates and is terrified of the anointing. This is why he hated it on Jesus. Do you realize that Satan didn't start tempting Jesus until right here in Luke? What's he seeing? The anointing that's on him. He recognizes that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. Why does he hate it? Because that's his whole business. Satan's whole business is to build big burdens. He is in the better, bigger, burden-building business <laughs> And will work for generations to stack up a burden on somebody so tall, so heavy, to the point where they don't even realize they're burdened anymore. They just think, well, daddy had this, and daddy's daddy had this, and daddy's daddy's daddy had this, and I guess this is just my life. It's a burden. He will put a yoke around somebody's neck, enslave them, addict them. Uh, what, did what did Jesus say? I came to set at liberty the prisoner, the oppressed. He will oppress and imprison people with these yokes, and he will work tirelessly. Satan has no qualms whatsoever with spending a hundred years building a burden and installing a yoke on a people. And you don't want to know why he hates the anointing? Because a moment 
under the anointing. One moment can lift that burden and destroy that yoke. How was the yoke destroyed? Because of fatness. Because of obesity. <laughs> I mean, I know these things don't sound good to us, but there's a word I want you to think. Increase. Isn't that what fatness is? Just too much, right? And come on, we've all seen it. We've all, we've all stared at ourselves in the mirror at one time in one way or another and said, well, you know what? That's too much. Got a little too much right there, a little too much right there. And we don't think of it as a good thing. Hey, we're reading the Bible. And if you're reading fatness in the Bible, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And the yoke will be destroyed because of fatness. Get ready to shout. Listen to this from the Young's Literal Translation. Put that up there for us. Isaiah 10, 27 in the Young's Literal says it like this. Do we have it? No. Oh, we got to get it. I'll read it to you. Young's literal. It has come to pass in that day. Turned is his burden from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and destroyed has been the yoke because of prosperity. That's a literal translation of the word anointing because of prosperity. That right there should tell you what prosperity is. It's increase. I mean, get the picture. Somebody enslaved with that yoke around their neck that's been around their neck and maybe they've been enslaved their entire lives. But the anointing, the Spirit of the Lord comes on them and they're touched with the anointing. That burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. Come on, what is poverty? It's a burden. It's a yoke. Jesus is anointed to destroy that yoke. How does the yoke destroyed though? Increase. Increase. Let me, let, me give you a, let me give you a really good, deeply rooted scriptural example of this. Popeye the sailor man. Amen? Amen. I know that's a cartoon going back generations. Is anybody familiar with Popeye the sailor man? So you've seen it then, right? And you know that it was a comic strip in a cartoon for, I don't know, decades. And how they got away with showing the, basically the exact same story every single time. But that's what it was. It was the same story every time. Popeye, he's in love with a girl. Her name, please. Olive oil, type of the Holy Spirit. And he's just loving life with olive oil. But the problem is there's this other guy who's huge, massive, who's also in love with olive oil. And so when, what was his name? Brutus. Brutus, is that right? So when Brutus would show up inevitably in every cartoon, he wants olive oil for himself. And so he starts fighting Popeye. And man, Popeye is just getting it handed to him fist after fist in the face, in the gut. And man, he is just getting pummeled literally into the ground. And, and it looks like Popeye is just done for. He's got no strength. Brutus is too big, too strong, too, too tough for po poor Popeye, you know? And so Brutus, now that he's beaten Popeye, he does what you do when you love a girl. He, he kidnaps olive oil and he ties her to the train track. <laughs> Every episode. But what happens inevitably Every time, Popeye looks like he is out for the count, done. He's a goner. And then he remembers what? Spinach. spinach. Oh, yeah, I've got a can of spinach in my pocket. 
which I can see how it'd be easy to forget that you have a can of spinach in your pocket. So he reaches in his pocket, as you do, as we all do, to grab our can of spinach, and he gets it out, and every time he's able to get that spinach into him. Come on, I'm preaching now. He gets it into his system, and what begins to happen right away? This strength begins to come. It's this instant strength, and every time he, his muscles begin to grow, and, and muscles upon muscles, and he starts busting out of his shirt, like me right now. Um, almost, not quite. But what's he doing? That, that fabric is just beginning to rip. What's happening? Increase, 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 right? And it's beginning to tear. What, what about the Hulk? Didn't he do the same thing? Man, the poor guy going through an entire wardrobe, just ripping it apart and just wasting clothes. But that's the picture that this is painting. You, you destroy this yoke around your neck. This yoke of poverty is destroyed by the anointing that causes you to increase. The anointing that causes you to increase and grow. And I want to take just a minute. This I've already taken longer than I had to take. But I want to give you a good example of this from the scripture. I know we're laughing about Popeye. We're laughing about the Hulk. You remember a guy named Samson? You go back and look at Samson's life in the book of Judges. And we all through, I don't know, children's church or the retelling of the story generation after generation... We all have a picture in our mind of Samson, right? Six foot six, 280 pounds, muscle bound, ripped, not an ounce of fat on him, you know, just perfectly chiseled and cut. But as you look through his life in the scriptures in the book of Judges, there's not one reference to his physical stature. Not one. You never read about him being taller than anybody else. You never read about him being physically stronger than anybody else. But what you will see five times in his life, these words, the spirit of the Lord came on him. The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he slew a thousand Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he killed a lion with his bare hands. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he carried the city gates away. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. What's happening? That's that anointing. It's the anointing. And that helps me. And it should help any other guy that looks like me. <laughs> Samson's great strength was not because he could bench, you know, 800 pounds. It was the Spirit of the Lord coming on him. It was the anointing coming on him. That's what the anointing is. It has the power to transform. In the book of 1 Samuel, we read about a man named Saul. And I'll just, you don't have to turn to all these scriptures. I'll read them to you. But in 1 Samuel chapter 9, the Bible says in verse 1, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becheroth, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And verse 2 says, he had a choice and handsome son. The Bible calls you handsome. You are handsome. You are good looking. He had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. This guy is tall. He's Jewish, you know, he's dark, you know, he's, he's tall, dark, and handsome. Other translations uh, talk about his father. He was a mighty man of wealth. 
and power. So Saul comes from money. He's tall. He's dark. He's handsome. He is every church girl's vision list. Now, I won't read this whole story, but in a nutshell, what happened was Saul's father, Kish, lost some donkeys. So he says to Saul, his son, he says, take a servant with you. You guys go find the donkeys. Well, read this. They go looking, and they're looking in this city. They can't find them. They look in this town. They can't find the donkeys. They're looking everywhere for the donkeys. Don't you hate it when you lose your donkeys? And the Bible says they, they walk up to this group of young women drawing water. It doesn't record the girls giggling, but you know they did. I mean, this guy comes walking up, and she's like, oh, I saw him first. Because it's tall, dark, handsome, rich, right? And, and what had happened was the servant of Saul, Saul wanted to go home. He's like, look, we can't find the donkeys. My dad's going to be worried. His servant said, somewhere around here, there lives a prophet. And if we can find the prophet, maybe he can tell us where the donkeys went. Sounds like a good plan. Well, they walk up to this group of girls and they say, where's the prophet? And they said, <laughs> he's right up there. So they point them up the road. And sure enough, they walk up, they walk up to this man, happens to be Samuel, the prophet. And Saul says to him, we're looking for the seer, the prophet. Is he around here? And Samuel says, I'm the prophet. Now, what's cool about all this is the day before God had spoken to Samuel and he began talking to him about a man. In verse 16 of chapter nine, God said to Samuel, tomorrow about this time, I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you will anoint him. Somebody say anoint him. Anoint, anoint him commander over my people, Israel that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I've looked upon my people, their cries come up to me. So God's already started talking to Samuel about Saul. So fast forward a day later, Saul walks up to Samuel. Samuel says, I'm the prophet. I'm the one you're looking for. And let's see, it says in verse, uh, skip down to 19. First Samuel 9, 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the seer, go up before me to the high place. For you're going to eat with me today, and tomorrow I'll let you go, and we'll tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys, Saul never even mentioned the donkeys, but Samuel brought it up. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't be anxious about them, for they've been found. Now listen, it doesn't even end the verse. Right on the heels of talking about the donkeys, he says to Saul, and on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? What's this about? Israel's crying out for a king. And Samuel is prophesying to Saul, you're going to stand in that place. And the Lord had already told him, I'm going to show you who I want you to anoint. Now, remember what we know about Saul physically, right? Tall, dark, handsome, rich. But as soon as he gets a glimpse of the bigness of what God's called him to do, I want you to notice what he says to Samuel in verse 21. Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me like this? Other translations bring out that he said, uh, I am only a Benjamite. I'm the smallest. We're the least. We're the most insignificant. It's interesting to me that somebody who looks like they've got it all together, somebody who fits the bill on the outside, when you get a window into people's souls, you don't know what's going on. 
And what opened that window up was the call of God on his life to stand in a high place and in an office. And what it revealed was even though this guy's tall, dark, handsome, and rich, in his own eyes, he's small. He's insignificant. Why do you speak to me like this? Why do you talk to me like I'm somebody? But Samuel told him what to do. He said, I want you to go up before me. We're going to sit down. We're going to feast together. And if you fast forward to the end of this chapter, it says in verse 27, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. He said, but you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on the head and kissed him and said, is it not because of the Lord, not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? He's saying, this is why I'm doing this. This oil that I'm pouring all over you, rubbing in, smearing in. All of this is because God has anointed you to be commander over his inheritance. A very unlikely person. Yeah, maybe on the outside he looks like it, but inward, insecure, right? Introverted. How can you speak to me like I'm somebody? But then this anointing hits him. And if you were to look at these next few verses, Samuel begins to explain, here's what's about to happen. Hang with me just one more minute. This is so, so significant. Samuel's explaining to him, here's what's about to happen to you because of this anointing. Now pay attention because your enemy does not want you to hear this. Are you with me? Yes. He began to tell him, you're going to leave, leave here. And as you go, he said, there's going to be some musicians and they're going to be singing and praising. And as you keep walking down the path, there's going to be a group of prophets. And he said, you're going to meet the group of prophets. And I want you to see what he said to him in verse 6. 1 Samuel 10, 6. Put that up there for us. This is because of the anointing. Verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. This is the power of the anointing. It's the equipment to do the job, but it's the power to be what God has created you to be. To be transformed from whatever you are right now into whatever he's called you to be. To do whatever he's called you to do. This is the power to do it. He said, you're going to be turned into another man. Does that sound like Samson? Samson, who was maybe physically all of about 5'11", 155 pounds, till the Spirit of the Lord comes on him. And here comes this strength. Here comes this, check it out, ability. Poverty is weakness, inability. Prosperity is strength. It's ability. Where do we get that? The anointing. No matter what you've been and what you've been in bondage to, burdened by or yoked by, the anointing to prosper is on you. Amen. The anointing to prosper is on you. And it has the power to turn you into another man, to turn you into another woman. And this goes on. It's hilarious. 
The Spirit of the Lord will come on you. You'll prophesy with them. You'll be turned into another man. You get down to verse 9. So it was when he turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And it says in verse 10, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied among them. Verse 11, it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this? that has come upon the son of Kish. Is Saul also among the prophets? Did you hear that phrase? All who knew him formerly. What does formerly mean? Before. Before what? Before the anointing came on him. There were people that knew this kid yesterday. And they knew him to be a certain way yesterday. And now they see him today, and all of a sudden, this insecure, this shy, introverted person is standing up with prophets declaring, thus says the Lord, the Lord God of Israel says. They're looking at him, and their question is, what got into you? What got all over this guy? What's the answer? The anointing got all over him. The power of God, the equipping to do the job, and the power to become another person. The anointing to prosper is the power to transform you. Wherever you have lacked, whatever you have lacked, the, uh, the anointing has the ability to destroy that yoke. Glory to God. Now stand on your feet and let me read you this one last scripture before we go. I meant to get here like 15 minutes ago, but I didn't do it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. What does this have to do with financial prosperity? What does this have to do with us and how we prosper? In Philippians chapter 4, and I believe we'll look at this verse again more next week, but Paul is writing to this church in response to an offering that they sent, a financial offering. And he said in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though surely you did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. That means to be low, to be humble. I know how to abound. That means overflow. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. You want to know his secret to it? He said, I know how to do this. That's, that's some valuable knowledge, isn't it? I mean, know-how in any area of life is valuable. If you know how to do things that other people don't know how to do, then the people who don't know how to do it will pay you, the person who knows how. Know-how is valuable. Know-how is precious information. And among all the know-how that you or I could have, the know-how to be abased, the know-how to abound, the know-how to be full, to, to be satisfied, to suffer need, wherever you are in that journey, the know-how of how to do it is so valuable. I mean, the know-how to get from not enough to more than enough. Who would like to have some of that know-how? The know-how uh, of how to get from abased to abounding, how to get from suffering need to having all and are full. There's some know-how involved. Anybody interested in that know-how? Well, Paul's about to give you the secret to it. 
He said again in verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned how to be full, how to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What's the secret, Paul? We got to know. Come on, help us. We got to know. Tell us what the secret is. Verse 13, I can do all things through, wait, 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 through what? What is Christ? What's that mean? The anointing. That's the secret. The anointing. I can do all things through that anointing that does what? Strengthens me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.